Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. I would guess that if you're like me, you have given your kids the be thankful for what you have, be grateful for what you have speech. My parents gave it to me when I was a kid, and I'm sure my kids will eventually, if Jesus tarries, give it to my grandkids at some point. Uh, But uh, we try to teach our kids to be appreciative of the things that they have, don't we? But the thing is, sometimes we may not think of the fact that everything that we have ultimately comes from God. Every good thing. And so uh, we need to be grateful to God for those things that he supplied for us. And uh, the scripture that we're going to talk about today actually talks about the seventh day, uh, this seven-day period of creation. The seventh day, actually, God ceases from the creation and he rests. Does God need to rest? No. The Bible says elsewhere that God is, it does not get tired. He's not a man that he grows weary He gives strength to the weary, but he does not grow weary. So why does God rest? God rests to set an example for us. And God rests to teach us something about life that we can enter into this spiritual rest and emotional rest of God through Jesus Christ. And so this rest that he gives us does include physical rest, but God invites us through this gift of physical rest to enter into a greater rest, that spiritual and emotional rest we find through Jesus Christ. And so uh, we need to thank God for the things that he's given us, uh, for his gifts, and uh, we're going to talk about why we need to thank him. But let's look at the verse here, verse 1 of Genesis chapter 2. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. By the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from his work of creation. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation at the time that God made the earth and the heavens. No shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. But water would come up out of the ground and water the entire surface of the land. Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out from Eden to water the garden. From there it divided and became the source of four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, which flows through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Gold from that land is pure. Uh, Delium and onyx are also there. And the name of the second river is Gion, which flows through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, which runs east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. 
And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. So thanking God for his gifts. Why should we thank him? Thank him because he has given, first of all, his rest. His rest. It says in verses 1 through 3 that God rested on the seventh day. God blessed the seventh day, declared it holy. He rested on the seventh day. Uh, So this rest. uh, Thank God for his rest. Did you know every time of rest that you have is a gift of God? Uh, when you uh, take, take a time to spend in God's house, uh, take a day off, that's a time of rest to thank God for. Uh, when you rest during the day, maybe you come home and take a nap. I remember when my kids were little, <clears throat> sometimes I'd fall asleep on the couch and they'd come jump on top of me in the middle of my nap. It was always a, a nice uh, waking up you know, when you're startled like that. Uh, every night we are given a gift of rest, aren't we? We go to bed and we, we sleep till the next day. Have you ever had one of those days where you were just bone tired? I mean, you were tired all the way down to the bone. And isn't it great to get into those covers and just oh, go to sleep? What a blessing. Praise the Lord for that. I remember just a a few weeks back, uh, I had a time of vacation. And I was tired. I really needed a vacation. Um, And so uh, I got some great physical rest, but I also got some time with God during that vacation. And God refreshed me spiritually. Um, There are times where it's good to have that unhurried time with God. And he, He refreshed me. He built me up. Through that time with him. And so this rest is a gift of God. But Jesus says, come unto me all you who are labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. The psalmist said, there remains a rest for the people of God. You see, this rest that God began here at creation continues on. It doesn't say evening and morning were the seventh day. No, it continues on. And so, there remains a rest for the people of God. It wasn't found in Canaan either when the Israelites went to the promised land. No, this rest comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ and the rest of the soul that he provides. The Bible says in one place, uh, the wicked are like the waves of the sea. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. You see, people who don't have a relationship with God and who are going their own way don't have this spiritual rest of the soul. There is no peace for them. There is no rest spiritually for them. And so Jesus gives that invitation. Why is that possible? It's possible because Jesus died on the cross for sin. He takes care of the penalty of sin and he rose again. And the Bible says that because of what Jesus has done, we can have a relationship with God not based on our performance, but based upon God's grace. You see, God's gift of rest comes purchased by the blood of Jesus. That's why Jesus can say, Come unto me all 
you who are weary and heavy laden. Because every single human being who is alive and takes a breath of air can come to Jesus for his grace. Once you begin that relationship with Jesus Christ by surrendering your life to him and receiving that gift of salvation and eternal life, God makes you his child and he invites you into that relationship and that relationship becomes a time of rest. Um, there are times where I will get stressed out. I'm, I know some of you have had that experience. Life is hard. Things are going wrong sometimes. Things are difficult or whatever it may be. And I will be kind of anxious, stressed out. And I'll go and I'll take some time and just tell God what's on my heart and what's on my mind. And I'll thank him. As the scripture says, uh, if you will take these cares to the Lord with thanksgiving, that God will bring his peace. And so sometimes it's a, even a struggle in prayer. I'm, kind of, I'm persisting on, but there comes a point at which the peace of God comes. And when that takes place, there's a rest in my soul. I don't exactly know how to describe it, but it is very real, and it changes my whole attitude, and it's the presence of God, the filling of the Spirit within me, uh, as God meets with me in that time of prayer and relationship. What a wonderful thing. Um, there's a scripture in Isaiah that says, uh, the youths may grow weary and the young men may utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What is he talking about there? As you draw near to God, as a child of God, you can experience that spiritual rest of the soul. And you will renew your strength. And you'll be able to do the things that God has called you to do. Uh, one of the neat things about that spiritual rest is it also affects your emotions. That anxiousness that I was describing just a moment ago is gone. Uh, instead, in its place, there's a peace. Uh, the Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. My circumstances are the same. But now there's a change within me that is the rest of God. What a blessing. Thank God for his rest. Uh, the physical rest of God, the spiritual and emotional rest of God that he brings through a relationship with him. And if you don't know Christ, begin a relationship with him so that you can begin to walk in this rest in your life and have that refreshment that only that relationship with Christ can bring. Thanking God for his gifts. Why should you do it? First of all, thank him because he's given his rest. Secondly, thank him for his care. Thank him for his care. Uh, if you look in verse 6, it says water would come out of the ground and water the entire surface of the land. In other words, it hadn't rained yet. The time of Noah's flood is yet to come. Uh, and so there has been no rain on the earth. And God has his own sprinkler system. Isn't that cool? Uh, you know, the water comes up from the surface of the ground. He also has some rivers. He talks about the river that watered Eden and it broke into four waters. Um, so there's a river that also is used. Um, and the water comes up. Now you say, water doesn't sound like that much of a blessing. I like coffee and tea, thank you very much. Did you know what's in coffee and tea? Water. <laughs> Do you like lemonade? Water is in lemonade. 
Uh, by the way, do you know how rare it is for the conditions to be there so that water can exist? It's, it's, a, it's a hard thing. You don't find water in lots of places in the universe. Why? Because there has to be a specific set of conditions for water to exist. And if you don't have water, guess what? You don't have life. So all of this is the evidence of God's care for us because he has given us water. And so uh, if you like to drink Powerade when you're really thirsty, thank God for it. Or whatever it is you like to drink. But then he says that God made these plants. And by the way, let me just say this. He is, he's revisiting the sixth day, right? Because he's, he's talked about all the creation. He's given us an orderly count, seven days, right? Through chapter 1, the first part of chapter 2. But now he's kind of hitting the rewind button and going back to day 6. Why? Because he wants to explain exactly... What's going on with man? Why? Because man is the crowning creation that God has made. We talked about that. Um, but uh, as he focuses in on this, why were the plants created? They were created for man. Ultimately created for Christ. All things were made by him and for him. But created for man. They're a blessing to us. Uh, why were the animals created? They're created for us. Now, they didn't eat meat until later after the fall, and God gave them permission to eat meat. Uh, but God also provided that through the animals as well. And so these mention of the animals and the mention of the plant life and the mention of the water and all of these things are tied to God's care and blessing for man. So if you are eating a steak this afternoon, I'm starting to get hungry. Uh, thank God for it. It's a blessing of God. Um, if you're eating your Mexican food this afternoon, you know, and you got those, those peppers that are cut up in there, thank God because it's a gift of God. If you like Italian food, that sauce is a gift of God. Uh, you can't have that sauce without the tomatoes that go in that sauce, right? So uh, all of this is a gift of God and is, is an evidence of his care. So God puts water there, he puts food there, and his Bible says he, he actually planted a garden, and God fashioned this garden for him. Can you imagine what it must be like to, to be in a garden that has been created by God, uh, that has been fashioned and designed? Some of you probably like to watch those designer shows, right? Um, they, do, they come up with some really great ideas of how to design a room or how to design a house. But God designed a garden for Adam and Eve. And this garden is unlike any garden that we've ever experienced. I, I remember uh, Sherry and I one time went to the Arboretum in Dallas. And we, we saw all these beautiful plants and things that they've created. And I don't really have a green thumb, but... It was beautiful. All these different uh, types of plants and these gardens that they'd made. But the Garden of Eden was unlike anything like that. It, it, it was made by God, planted by God. And apparently God brings these, uh, these seed-bearing trees and, and herbs and everything else that, that he's going to eat. He brings them up quickly because the Bible says that it springs up and there's trees that look good and that taste good. Uh, they're good for food. 
And so there's all this beauty that God has created for man. And then there's all these good things to eat that God has created for man. And we talked a little bit about the different kinds of plant life a couple weeks ago. So I won't get into that. But uh, all of this was created for man. And it was an evidence of God's care for man. So you have a perfect situation. There's no sin. There's no hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, mudslides. Nothing like that. It's a perfect situation, no sin, no problems, no difficulty. Where can I sign up? All right? This was God's care. None of the problems that we face were there. Why? Because sin had not yet entered the picture. You see, that's what's going to be so great about heaven and the things that God prepares for us yet, that's yet to come. Because there will eventually, in that new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem, there will be no sin. It will be a restoration, but even a surpassing of Eden uh, in this place that God has prepared for us. So thank God for his care. Every time you enjoy a good meal, every time you see the beauty of God's creation, you see the plant life, or you go up to the mountains and you drive through Cades Cove, or... Uh, go up to Clingman's Dome or whatever it is that you're doing. And you look out and you see all that God has made. Give praise and glory to him. Why? Because he put those things there for us to enjoy. So, um, his care. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God cares for us in a lot of different ways. Those practical ways we're talking about. But he also cares for you specifically. David said, every day of my life was written in your book before one of them came to be. Can you think about that for a second? I mean, wow. God knew before I was born, every day that I would live, it was written in this book. God knows every detail of your life. David says in Psalm 139, it's one of my favorite psalms. He says, Lord, you know when I sit and when I rise. You see my thoughts from afar. You observe all my ways. Lord, before there's a word on my tongue, you know it. And he says, Lord, I I see your care in every sphere and area of my life. I want you to know something. God cares for you today. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God cares for you. Jesus paid the price for your sin and rose again. Why? So that you could have a relationship with God. You see, the problem that we have in our lives is sin. It separates us from God. And because God is pure and God is holy and he hates sin but he loves us, there's this tension there and God cannot have the relationship with us that he needs to have or that he wants to have because of the problem of sin. So that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to take care of the sin problem so that we could have a relationship with God. And so that this care would not just be general through the creation, but would be personal through a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ that you have when you surrender your life to him. That's God's design for every human being. And uh, God wants to care for you personally. And You know, I think sometimes we don't even understand all the ways that God cares for us. And uh, uh, my my friends in Texas that were in my church uh, were sharing with me. He he owned a trash company, and his son he was a teenager, and his son would ride on the back of the trash truck, 
And, uh, you know, you've seen, you've seen trash trucks. And, but anyway, his son, one day they were going down the road, it had a pretty good clip, and his son lost his grip on the trash truck, and he started to fall backwards. And guess what? There's nothing there that he can see. Something pushed him back up. And people say, well, you, that guy was eating too many bad, bad tamales or something. You know, I'd, what's going on? No, I believe. I believe in my heart that God takes care of his people. And uh, we're not promised a problem-free life, but we are promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. The moment you trust Christ, you have an eternal relationship of God's care for him to meet your need. And one of the things that's been so neat, uh, I got to enjoy God's creation before I was a Christian. I got to enjoy food and, and all these different things. But one of the neat things about being a child of God is I've gotten to enjoy his care personally. And God has, has ministered to my needs in those times uh, when uh, I was fearful. He's brought peace. Those times when I was distressed, he's brought his peace. Uh, those, those times when I was depressed, have you ever been there? He's lifted me up. I want to tell you something. God cares for his people personally. I believe that with all my heart. And there have been so many times where I've come to God's word and God has spoken and given me just the message I need. So many times I've taken my burdens to God and he has lifted me up. Sometimes he's answered a prayer and changed the circumstance. But other times God has ministered to me in the middle of the circumstance and carried me through it. But God has cared for me. What a blessing. Thank God. Praise God for his care in your life. Every day that God lets you take a breath is a day of God's grace for you. Uh, thank God for it. So thanking God for his gifts. Why should you thank him for his gifts? Well, he's given his rest. He's given his care. Thirdly, he's given his relationship. God does not force us into a relationship, right? God gives us the option of a relationship. Look at verse 9. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the midst of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, you and I know the rest of the story, but this is mentioned here just in passing because these are going to come into to play later on in the story. There's going to be a choice. Will Adam and Eve follow God in faith? Or will Adam and Eve rebel against God with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And we know the story. They rebel against God. God gives us the blessing of relationship. You know, the Bible says that God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. There was a special relationship there. But when sin came, it all changed. You see, God still today gives us a choice. He's not going to twist your arm. If you don't want to be his child, you don't want a relationship with him, he won't twist your arm. He'll let you continue on your way. He'll gently prod you in your spirit. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you uh, to make a decision to receive him. But he won't force you. Um, I remember a while back, uh, I saw this movie. This is years ago on TV, and it was called The Stepford Wives. Some of you guys have probably seen that movie. But these guys, they get tired of their wives, 
And so they said, well, let's make some robots, and we'll just replace them, and they'll do whatever we want, them to, want, them to, want us to do. So, uh, so uh, they do that, and one by one, they're replacing these wires. And it sounds maybe good to some people, but can you think about how, how boring that would be to have somebody who, who just was a yes person all the time and never disagreed with you, never had, a, had an individual thought of their own? How boring. One of the things that makes relationships interesting is the fact that we can have discussions about things, right? Have you ever heard the phrase, opposites attract? It's true, isn't it? Usually, you don't marry somebody that's exactly like you. You marry somebody with with differences. They've got different gifts. They've got different talents and so forth. And and as you work together, you're better together than you are apart. Um, but this different, these differences sometimes cause friction, but they make things interesting. Uh, my wife thinks, th- thinks about things differently than I do oftentimes. And uh, when we rose, raised our kids, sometimes I would think about doing one thing. I'd be talking to her about it. She'd say, well, have you thought about this? And that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Well, let's do that. And, you know, and, and you had this interplay. Also, um, what about discussing things that you're interested in? Have you ever had a discussion and uh, you're talking with somebody and they just come up with this really neat idea and you thought, well, I never thought about it that way before. And you get just engaged in this conversation. What, how interesting. Uh, and you're talking and you're, you're thinking about things deeply with somebody else and they see it from a little different perspective. Those things make life interesting. How boring would it be if we all said everything the same way and did everything the same way, no, God has created variety on purpose. And so um, relationships are meant and designed to be willing. In other words, I make a choice. I, you know, I, I proposed to my wife, and uh, I went out and I bought her a wedding ring, right? And... Uh, I went and I gave her that wedding. I'd already proposed her and asked her to marry me, but I, I did it kind of after the fact. But it was, a, it was a symbol of my love for her, right? Um, she had a choice that she had to make. She could say, buddy, I'm joker. I'm not going to stay, stay with you. Uh, forget that. I'm, I'm going to go do something else. No, she, she could have said that. But she said, yes, and I went. Ah, yeah, hot dog. Uh, I was excited. And we went out to eat afterwards, and buddy, I was, uh, well, that's another story. But anyway, um, it was great. But you see, part of what made that relationship great was the fact that she was delighted in it as much as I was. You see, God doesn't want robots he wants us to willingly decide to have a relationship with him. That's why he's given us something called free will. And uh, for any relationship to be meaningful, it must be. And, and by the way, God has exercised his free will with us, hasn't he? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God chose to do that. Nobody, had to, nobody forced God to send his son Nobody forced Jesus to go to the cross. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I can call 10,000 angels anytime I want. Take care of these guys. No, I lay my life down willingly. And so uh, God 
offers us this relationship. And that's what he's doing for Adam and Eve. He's, he's giving them everything. They have no commandments. They just have one thing they've got to, to choose. Why? Because God wants people who are willing in relationship, right? And uh, often like, like us, right? The one thing we know we're not supposed to do, what do we do? We do it, right? But God offered this relationship to them. You know, a lot of grief and heartache has come about because of man's free will. The problems in this world, the heartache in this world, uh, people sometimes say it's an act of God, but really, ultimately, it's an act of man, isn't it? Because the curse came because of sin. But all of this, God says, you're so valuable to me, it's worth the cost that some people may misuse free will so that I can have a relationship with you that is free and willing. What a, what a blessing that is. Thank God that he in his goodness and his grace sent his son to make a relationship possible. Thank God that he desires a relationship with you. Thank God that he gives you the opportunity to put your trust in Christ. What a wonderful blessing. Thank God that his mercies are new every morning. There's never a time where his grace won't be enough for you as a child of God. Those of you who have trusted Christ, the sin is covered. It's paid for. It's enough. Praise and thank God for it. So thank you, God, for his gifts. Why should we thank him? First of all, his rest. Secondly, his care. Thirdly, his relationship. And finally, his wealth. His wealth. Look at this. Um, He's talking about the river in Eden in verse 10. It becomes four rivers. Look at verse 11. It says, The name of the first is the Pishon, which flows through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Gold from that land is pure. There's uh, these other things as well. And the, the, the word translated in my translation, onyx, uh, sometimes is translated precious stones. It's kind of an obscure word. They're a little bit confused of how to translate it. But they're, they're these precious stones that are there. Gold and precious stones. Isn't it interesting that God at the beginning of creation has provided these things? Now, he's provided food for them, but he's also provided these items of beauty. These things that they can enjoy. Uh, Back when I was in school, I learned about the, the early days of America where they had something called the gold standard. The gold standard meant that uh, every dollar, every U.S. dollar that you had was backed by gold, okay, so that it wouldn't lose its value, and um, no longer the case, but that's what used to be the case in our culture. One reason I believe the dollar is so strong today, did you know every dollar you have in your bank account is because God has been good to you? Anything that you have to spend, any ability that you have to earn money, all of that is God's blessing to you. The ring that I gave my wife when I proposed, and shortly after I proposed. Anyway, that was a gift from me, but it was ultimately a gift from God, right? Because God had blessed me to be able to do it. All of the things, all of the wealth that God has given. And I know some of us have, have more and some of us have less and, and all of that. But, but the point is, whatever you have, thank God for it. <laughs> thank God for it. 
And here's the great thing about being a child of God. You can lay up treasure in heaven. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, right? Scripture says. You can lay up treasure in heaven. When you give to others. Jesus said, as much as you've done unto one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. Uh, when you give to the things of God in his church, as you do that, you're giving to eternal things. And Jesus says, you're laying up treasure in heaven. And guess what? The IRS can't come get it. Guess what? What you put in up there, you don't have to insure it with the FDIC. Because God's in charge of it. Uh, any reward that you get for serving Christ while you're here. The Bible talks about crowns that we get for serving Him. Those things are assured. It's an eternal reward. Jesus said, if you give a cup of water away in my name, you'll not lose your reward. These things are assured by God. So God has given us incredibly great blessings. He's given us wealth in this life to enjoy. The Bible says God's given us all things richly to, to enjoy. Now, you need to be, if you have a good deal of wealth, you need to be generous with it. The Bible teaches that. But everything that, that we have is a gift from God. And it's just going to get better from here. You see, the gold that he talks about here in Genesis, we consider that very valuable. But you know, in heaven, that's what we're going to be walking on. Aren't you glad we didn't have to pave this parking lot with gold? <laughs> I tell you what, I don't know where to get the money for that. We got that asphalt. It's kind of stinky. We went out there in Bible, Bible school, you know, it's kind of a smell that comes up from that asphalt. But I'm going to tell you something. One day when Jesus comes back, I'm going to be walking on gold. The Bible says the walls of the city, the New Jerusalem, are of jasper. And that the foundations of the city are made with all these different precious stones. And the gates are these huge pearls that have been made into entranceways. I want to tell you something. My king is wealthy. And so whatever blessing I have here is just a taste of the blessing that we're going to have there. What a wonderful hope that we have. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. Um, look forward to your hope and trust in the promise of God. So thanking God for his gifts, why should we thank him? Thank him because he's given his rest, his care, his relationship, and his wealth. And God has given us the blessing of a relationship with him. What a wonderful thing. If you're here this morning and you know Christ... You may just want to come to this altar and thank God for how good he's been. Or maybe you need to come and say, Lord, I've not been grateful in my life. And I need to ask your forgiveness for that. I've been grumbling and complaining and carrying on about my life. And Lord, I just want to confess that to you. And I'm going to choose to be a thankful person by God's grace, filled with his spirit. This altar is open. If you'd like me to pray with you, I'd be happy to. Uh, maybe somebody's here today and you don't know Christ. And here's the thing. God's given you a lot of blessings to enjoy that you've been able to enjoy. But the greatest blessing that he could give you is his son and a relationship with him. 
And so if you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today, I just want to give you that opportunity. Um, The Bible says Christ lived a perfect life, died for sin at the cross to pay the sin debt that we owed and rose again. And because of that, when you come to him in simple trust and say, Lord, I surrender my life and I choose to receive the gift of your salvation, uh, that he'll give that gift. Because Jesus has paid for it. You don't have to pay for it. What a deal. And you can enter that relationship with God, and it will never end. What a wonderful thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessings that you give us, uh, your care and your, your wealth and, and your relationship. All-